nice to meet you. We're all glad you came. Won't you try and remember our name? Hello and welcome to Locked On Sharks, proudly part of the Locked On Network, home for all things Team Teal. I'm your host, J.D. Young, and I'm joined today with Eric, but who cares because we have a guest. Uh, we are hashtag blessed to be joined by Sarah with, let's, her credentials are basically the first segment of, it'll be just me reading off her credentials. <laughs> That's going to be the first segment of today's episode. So uh, she writes for Jewels from the Crown. She's also the host of Locked on Kings, host of Locked on NHL, and also writes for Knights on Ice, where she covers the Wolves, uh, the Chicago Wolves, which is the main reason we're having her on. How's it going, Sarah? Going pretty good. I feel I feel like you hit all the highlights there. You, you, you got all You got all the details, which is excellent. <laughs> Yeah. A uh, quick peruse of your Twitter bio, you know, really uh, that. And <laughs> I made a Wikipedia page just for you, just nice. it's basically me copying it. So yeah. Nice. I so like look it. For that. Yes. <laughs> so how are you guys doing tonight? You guys ready to talk about, uh, to, are we going to be talking about Rocky Thompson, who of course uh, used to coach for the Chicago Wolves and is now going to be supposedly uh, coaching with the Sharks in some aspects. So you guys ready to get into this? Yeah. Heck yes. Okay. He's got a great, got a great name. Leave. I don't know. It's unfortunate that everyone like uses his name and thinks he's just going to pound their face in because it's a great name. I wish he could like use it. Before we get into it, Eric, do you want to discuss the uh, <laughs> wild rumors and accusations about you and Kyle's blood feud since you guys can never be on the podcast at the same time now? Is it how you guys argued about Sam Gagne went to one, uh, one step too far? yeah i don't know man we're we're just not we're not um quite aligned yet he missed some time and then i uh, had to had to step aside and and have uh dinner with in-laws so um get a lower uh, body injury are we gonna lower yeah, body, I had a lower body injury he had an upper body unfit injury. to play <laughs> yeah, yeah unfit, unfit to play we're we're so. uh i don't know man we'll we'll both back be back on at the same time soon 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 don't worry it'll happen um yeah i just like i'm just gonna start the rumor of the wild blood feud over one sam gagne so yes and if he's good or not (laughs) so all right um so let's get into mr thompson who uh according to reports he's going to be joining the sharks in some aspect um we don't know if he's going to be forwards defense power play who knows we're we'll get that when we get uh more but uh, we wanted to get Sarah on who's been covering the Wolves for uh, for some time now and has been kind of seeing Rocky kind of day to day and kind of seeing what he's done, especially taking over a team that um, I guess was underperforming. And then he brought them, um, you know, he brought them to the championship and, you know, really kind of helped turn around that franchise. So, Sarah. Let's start with kind of like what what would you describe as Rocky's coaching style? I think that he first and foremost is really kind of like a player's coach. And I I know that that gets thrown around a lot for all sorts of guys for all sorts of reasons. And sometimes I'm like, Oh, this sounds sketchy, but he is the kind of guy who I think if you asked every wolves player who has passed through those doors would say that they would, you know, run through a wall for him. Uh, He has a way of inspiring guys to overachieve. Essentially Um, some of these wolves teams, 
had no business getting anywhere near where they got to in the playoffs or in the regular season. Um, two of the three seasons that he was the head coach, the Wolves led the Central Division in the AHL and maybe should not have been there, but they did. Um, he is just a guy that everyone loves him. I've never heard, you know, obviously players are never going to like badmouth their coach to a bunch of random media folks, but you, you can tell when someone is like, I don't like this guy. And yeah. everyone there just absolutely loved him. Um, he, he, I really do think that kind of the, the hallmark, the thing that, um, I will always think of most is how he just got a t teams that were basically not necessarily good on paper to all come together and all overachieve and, you know, push past injuries, push past guys getting called up, push past any, any issues that a team had, uh, he would manage to get them to pull together and overcome it. Um, while, you know, having a, a good culture in the room and having a culture of respect and, um, you know, respect for even the young players on the team, um, it was just just a very good environment to be in, um, which, you know, covering the Wolves as someone who does not necessarily want good things for the Vegas Golden Knights has been an interesting place to be in because you see all these young guys and you get really invested in them and you want to see their success. And then they go to the NHL and I'm like, well, you're dead to me now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that is that is a weird transition. I don't know that I would enjoy covering the uh, San Diego goals at all. That would be a bizarre, like, oh, Sam Steele's nasty. And then, uh, <laughs> I take that back. I take that back. Um, so that's interesting you say that because I was, when I saw the news, um, started looking for old articles talking about him because I had never heard of him before. And there's, I don't know, I, I could only dig up like two or three maybe, but. Almost all of them, I think, the mention of a current or former player kind of being like, essentially saying, yeah, he gets it. He knows what's up. Like, he cares about you. He's going to help you out. Like, he's 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 a good dude. He's, like, great on a personal level, too. And I think that, um, I, I don't know, that, like, means a lot to me, weirdly. Maybe it shouldn't matter so much as long, unless he's, if he's not, like, good at coaching hockey. But I, like, appreciate that and, and like, understand that, Sports is more than just about like dumping the same twelve guys over the boards over and over and over again. Uh, so I, I was I was kind of struck by that in reading about him. So that, that excites me too. Not to say that like Bugner isn't that, but um, I like that it's not just like sort of a blind loyalty like players coach. It's sort of based in something that actually is helpful and helps with players helping. I'm assuming and learning and that sort of thing. And the Sharks are going to have a few ELCs on their contract next year, no matter how you slice it. So uh, that's going to be an important part of like someone's personality to be on the bench there too. So I'm excited about that. I, I think too, especially with um, you, you kind of hear and like get little rumors of just like how um, after Pavelski left, um, like the culture in the locker room and stuff, it just wasn't the same. And, you know, we could kind of debate if Couture is a good captain or not, but that's not the podcast route. So maybe just having like another guy where, um, you know, where the players, they feel comfortable going to a coach that might be kind of a big, uh, you know, a big step, especially with last year where the coaching staff was thrown together after Bohr was fired and stuff. So maybe just having some more stability in there um, might be, might really help with just the chemistry and the, the locker room and stuff like that. So, um, 
So one kind of thing too, coming like reading up about Rocky and, and his style is he's really known for his like kind of analytical approach, despite playing as you know he was a fighter and a grinder and a brawler his in his playing career. How how do you kind of see that implemented with his with the wolves? Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's one thing where like whenever I first started covering the Wolves, of course, I did the dive into, okay, who is this guy? And what what am I in for when I go talk to him for the first time and all this stuff? And yeah, you get this, this history of him as this like long haired wild man on the ice. And, you know, like many guys who have a past life of being an enforcer, he is just the absolute nicest, most respectful, but like I, you know, especially given all the stuff we've talked about recently in like media of like how crappy women are treated in sports media and stuff. Like, you know, I tweeted about this, that like he never once has made me feel any different from the male colleagues or the people who write for newspapers or anything like, you know, so that's all aside from his, his, you know, style as a coach, but, you know, just to also mention that he, he is, the just like a good human being let's say um but you know like yeah and like especially knowing how we have this focus now in hockey of like hey some of these guys are not great guys um he is definitely a good person um and people i know who work for the wolves organization who interact with him on a way different level than i do as a media person um have all have really great really great things to say about him as well um but analytically, um, you yeah, you wouldn't think it knowing his background as a player, but he is definitely someone who he may not be talking to you about like expected goals or, you know, shots, like percentages or course, like, but he, when you talk to him, he, he knows off the top of his head, you know, how many shots the team has taken, how many shots have they've been blocking. He knows, okay, we're getting high danger chances. He may not use the same terminology that all of us stats nerds, people on the internet are going to be using, but he definitely looks at it that way of how can we get the puck in to those areas that are going to be dangerous and hard for a goalie to stop. Um, he, he his plays are designed to do things like create chaos around the net to you know get get activity there that's going to be a lot harder for a goalie to deal with and so he is definitely very on top of it in a way that is maybe not how stats people are going to be talking about it but he he knows he knows exactly what his team is doing. He knows what the numbers are. Um, and we have definitely had conversations after games where he was like, yeah, that shot clock was not right. Like, he's like, I know, I know what they got and it was not right. Uh, like he keeps his own stats essentially. And it's like, yeah, what you guys are finding out is not correct. Like I have different numbers. Uh, and so I think that he, you know, after games, he spends a lot of time in his office, like going over the numbers you know, with his coaching staff before he would come out to talk to us. So I think that he is someone who is very successfully blending that kind of old style of like grits and, you know, got to play hard and go to the nets and create havoc. You know, he's, he's matching that with the more modern analytics of the why behind you, why you want to do that. And not just like, because this is why we've always done it. You know, he, he's looking at the, the reasons why these are good ideas. I mean, that makes sense too. I kind of, I kind of like that idea that like you still want to try to create havoc and chaos in front of the net because like it's still the way you score, no matter what year it is. But um, the how you get there is important because you got to keep like changing the process effectively. And so that 
like feels like a, a cool thing to know about him too that he's like yeah like I, you still have to do certain things like quote unquote go hard in the corners and whatnot and be and be gritty um but but you just have to find kind of creative ways to, to do it and I, I also think it's interesting to comment about like, keeping i'm keeping stats too and they're not exactly what you're using publicly kind of thing or to, not necessarily to that degree but um that's always been like a big part of it but i wonder I, I really wonder like how far apart what we see publicly is from from what they use mm-hmm. of course there's no like public hl shot stats it's it's really rudimentary so there's not really anything to go by there so it, it's interesting that he was i mean you have to in the ahl because there's there's no other source but um I, I like that so so speaking of you know the one way to learn about these guys and sort of how what their analytical bent is or how they approach coaching or whatnot is kind of reading quotes that they give um and not not all these guys give long interviews and, and have these big features written about them but are there any quotes or things that he said uh that kind of stuck out to you for whatever reason or things that you still like re- like remember as being like oh that that was pretty cool or just interesting or uh any reason that it stayed with you i think that honestly the biggest thing that sticks out to me is that you know, especially as someone who, you know, I've gotten better as an interviewer over time, but the Wolves has really been my first, like, on site, talking to hockey players, talking to coaches, like, thing that I've done. And it doesn't matter how dumb my question has been or how poorly phrased or whatever. He knows what I'm trying to get at. And he will give you an answer about anything. Um, and, and he's he's a great quote for you if you're trying to figure out something and you don't quite know what it is you're trying to get at if you just start your sentence he eventually just sort of goes and will talk to you for like 10 minutes about something and you know so uh, above any kind of specific quotes or anything that he's ever given me it's really just that um ability to kind of get at what what i'm trying to get at and then just talk to me at about it i feel like he's a guy who i could go i hate the whole like i would go sit and have a beer with a person but I feel like but like I feel like I could go and like sit down with like in a coffee shop with him and talk hockey for like an hour and like I learned something every time I talked to him which I think you know is the sign of a really good communicator which is you know I think really important is that every time every every game that I talked to him there was something that he was able to kind of illuminate that I was like wow I never thought of that before um but one of the big things that I think about when I think about him is the respect that he showed to his players um you know he if I was you know in there talking to him about like Nick Hague because he's one of the big prospects on that team and he's who Vegas fans want to read about you know they they, they don't care about the guy who is probably never going to make it to the NHL but Rocky Thompson would always make sure if someone else did something really good in a game and you're not asking about that guy he starts talking about him and he starts bringing up things that like might not be the angle that you were looking at but that he thinks are important and that he wants to call attention to and so he is very aware of everything that's going on on the ice and is very you know wants to really make sure that his players get the credit that is due to them and i think there there was there's an optimism in him that you don't always see in in hockey and in in media like i feel like we especially as media people kind of tend to be like wow the power play was really garbage you know in this game and he'll be like well yes it wasn't great but 
you know, here's five other positive things that did happen. And yeah, sure, we didn't score on any of those power play opportunities, but here's what we're doing. And by the last by the last power play of the game, they had started to figure it out and they were getting shots on net. So he was always really good at calling attention to positive things that we maybe were kind of overlooking and that he wanted to make sure that we knew about and that we were talking about uh, and giving his players the credit that they were due. So just that awareness of everything that's happening on the ice the whole game and his willingness to be like, yeah, this is the story I can tell you're trying to write, but this is what I want you to know. Um, I, I thought was really great because I, I just see so many coaches be like, yeah, no, that was bad. And then not want to talk about it, but he will go into great detail about what exactly was happening on the ice. And uh, like, that's something that will always really stick with me about how, how much he wants to educate the people around him um, about what's happening. Got a, a career ahead of him in PR if his hockey thing doesn't work out. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. So, so speaking of that was, you know, the thing that caught my attention there, well, all of that did, but, but the, the big thing was sort of how he was able to pick out players he wanted you to talk about or that he didn't think was were getting enough love um any players that he talked about in particular anyone who you know this this past year is really strong like i'm looking at their roster on pick 224 that has you know the other like junior and ahl league stats and lucas elvinus sticks out to me as like potentially one of their most exciting hl forwards right now yeah, that, definitely. Yeah, Elvin is, is definitely like the big guy on that team. This year's Wolves roster, like they had no business even being in the playoff race because they, you know, the most recognizable name on that roster is Brandon Peary. Um, and he, you know, goes back and right, forth right. between the AHL and the NHL. There aren't really guys on that team that I would think like, ah, yes, this guy is going to be a bona fide star. But Elvin is mm-hmm. really really took off this year and you know he kind of went through slumps every so often and you know rocky was really encouraging of him of like yes you're not scoring but you know he would talk to us about the fact that yeah elvinus hasn't scored in a couple games but we're really working on perfecting his whole game so he's focusing a little more on defense and other teams have now realized that this guy can score a whole lot so they're coming down a little harder on him and working with elvinus and that line to find ways to evade the other team and just everything's constantly a teaching opportunity. Um, And, you know, on on defense, they've got, you know, guys like Dylan Coughlin and Jake Bischoff who are not necessarily household names, but they are guys who I watch them play and have watched them evolve over the past couple of years and think like, yeah, they'd make a great like third pairing defenseman. Like they're not elite. They're not, you know, going to be your next top pairing guy, but they have the skill set and they have developed that skill set under Rocky Thompson and the Wolves coaching staff. And they're kind of guys who, you know, we, we would talk about like, oh, like Hoglin had a lot of opportunities on that power play and he kept shooting them wide. You know, what do you need to work on? And he was like, well, yeah, Coughlin shot it wide, but he was setting up his teammate to go retrieve the puck and get it back to the net. Uh, so he'd always point out things like that on players who don't really get a lot of mainstream love and who aren't, you know, doing the back and forth between the AHL and the NHL uh, kind of deal. Um, and, you know, they, they, Vegas, it's been weird because Vegas's roster is pretty much set. Uh, they didn't really need a whole lot of AHL guys. There were a couple of guys who went back and forth a whole lot, but the roster mm-hmm. overall didn't change a whole ton. Um, and so, 
you're dealing with a lot of guys who might be frustrated or who might kind of feel like they're not getting their fair shot in the NHL. Uh, and, and so watching him manage those personalities was also really, uh, really interesting to see. That's, that's awesome. And it looks like Nick Haig spent a lot of time in the NHL this year. Am I wrong? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He went kind of back and forth and then um, they eventually sent him back down and it was one of those like, oh, you'll only be here for a little bit. And then, you know, Vegas's defense kind of came together and they just sort of left him there. Um, and I think he struggled a little bit after that because of just sort of the the psychological deal of like, hmm. you know, why am I stuck back down here? I played in the NHL. I, you know, started camp up there or whatever. Right, right, um, right. And, you know, watching him kind of get his game back over sort of the, la the latter half of the season and dealing with that disappointment and, you know, what was was pretty interesting because you, know, you don't get to see that up close very often of someone dealing with that kind of blow to their their hopes of yes i'm in the nhl and i'm never coming back here so speaking of of back and forth between the nhl and ahl what are what are the major differences you notice between watching hl and nhl games i've been to like two ahl games and they're fun but i usually have you know been drinking in with friends and i'm there like for the hockey part to just like hang out and so i haven't really paid a ton of attention and so i'm just sort of curious what you think are the, the biggest things that, that set the two leagues apart? I think one of the biggest things is, and it's kind of the same thing I see when I watch a lot of like juniors and college hockey is that there's going to be one line that's really good. And then your other three lines are probably kind of dodgy and, <laughs> you know, seeing what you can do with that, you know, yeah, like, yeah. like, and, and that's really the biggest thing to me is that, you know, what can you do with a team where you have one line of actual of guys who like, you know, you put them out there on the ice and they can score great. What are your other three lines going to do? And I, that's kind of the, the difference between a good AHL team and a bad AHL team is that good teams have figured out how to make the whole team work when your fourth line is a bunch of guys who were playing in the ECHL last week. Um, and, and, you know, overall, I think, you know, the speed, the speed is different. Um, whenever I talk to guys who have come back from the NHL and they, they're back in the AHL and I sort of ask them about, you know, what, what their experience was like and what was different to them. One of the things they always point out is like the speed and the physicality, like you think it's one thing in the AHL and then you go up the next level and you're like, holy crap, I wasn't prepared for that. Uh, and, and so you know, it's one of those things where like you watch hockey and you're like, I don't know, this is all fast and this is all very physical and whatever. But to the players, they're like every level just gets harder. Um, and yeah, so I, I think that it, the sort of overall skill level of, you know, an AHL fourth liner is not the same as an NHL fourth liner. A guy who's a fourth liner in the NHL is probably someone who's going to score a whole ton in the AHL. Like from, from a Kings perspective, uh, Jordan Nolan who, you know, was a fourth liner and for the Kings basically didn't score a whole ton, just sort of existed to punch people, has now been playing in the AHL the past couple seasons and does really well. Uh, so, you know, he can be kind of an elite scoring talent there and also hit people and get suspended for bad hits and stuff like that. Um, but in the NHL, he just was never able to do that. And so that that's kind of the biggest difference to me is the sort of whole team um, you know, not every guy on that team is going to be elite or do anything or be memorable <laughs> in, in right, ways right. that well, the NHL might be. 
best ones don't spend a lot of time in the AHL to begin yes. with. Yeah. Yeah. There's a reason why there haven't been like right, 50 right. goal scorers or anything in the <laughs> AHL anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the good news is that uh, Rocky, you know, he has experience, especially with the Sharks who literally have one good line and then the rest of them are just kind of trash to begin with. Um, so <laughs> it's okay. It's um, so I kind of want to get into his, like, his develop like how he develops players especially with the sharks who are probably going to have to count on a, on some of these young guys to actually step up so what what do you think he does to put these player these young kids into positions to succeed is it like you know maybe not like if a guy messes up he doesn't pull them or is he maybe he tries to put them in different you know like let guys try new things or maybe you know or like what what does he do so well that kind of helps develop these guys and kind of squeezes every bit of effort talent out of guys who as you you said or had no business you know kind of playing up to the level that they do I think it is a little bit of all of what you said. Um, and I definitely have noticed where if a guy has a rough, a rough shift and, you know, he gets scored on or whatever, he's out there right again, the next shift. He doesn't bench people. Usually like the guys that he benches are like the guys who are already the fourth liners and are just kind of there to be physical. You know, those guys, the same in, as in the NHL, they get there like four minutes a night and, you know, maybe a little longer if they're playing an opponent, an opponent that they know is going to be a little rougher, but he, he very rarely will bench a guy for making a mistake. And he, he uses that as a learning opportunity of, okay, you got scored on. Here's what you did. Don't do it again. Now go out there and get it back. And I, you know, I, in talking to, especially the very young players on that team, I think that that's something that they have kind of cited as important to them of knowing that they have the trust of their coach, that if they screw something up, that he is, he's got their back and that he's going to tell them, here's what you did wrong. He he might throw some F-bombs in there. Like he's not going to try to sugarcoat it and be like, oh, like, I'm sorry about your feelings. Uh, but he is going to give them the chance to go back there and make right. And, and they usually do. Um, and, and I think that he... He, especially with his offense, uh, he he lets the players go and do their thing. Uh, not so much this year on the Wolves, but last year they had um, they had TJ Tynan, they had Brooks Masek, they had um, a whole bunch of guys who just scored at will, uh, were at the top of the scoring charts for the Wolves. And basically that line would get out there and they would do whatever they wanted. And he was just like, yeah, your job is to go score, go do it. And, you know, I think that he he knows when he has a player who is offensively gifted. He had Cody Glass on the team for just a little bit of time uh, through the playoffs last year and a little bit this year uh, as he kind of went back and forth between the NHL and the AHL just a little bit. And Cody Glass is a very high draft pick, very, very good prospect for Vegas, is going to be a very good NHL player. And Cody Glass was not a guy who needed a ton of instruction. and he was just allowed to go out there and play his game. And he set him up with other players who he could be successful with. Um, there was none of this like elite talent on the fourth line with two guys whose names you don't know. Um, he, he has a pretty good way when he has the roster to do it, to set his players up for success. Uh, I say that because this year on the Wolves, uh, the, the season that was cut short, they didn't necessarily have the roster to do that with. There were a couple of guys who I think could have been better, 
but they they just didn't have the support they you know the center didn't have the wingers that he needed to you know get him you know the points or the 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 higher level experience but he also wasn't quite good enough to be like let's jump you up to the first line so you know he makes do with what he can but i i think that you know overall he is pretty good at putting players in a position to succeed and when they don't succeed helps them figure out why so that in the future when they're in that same situation they will score the goal or they will prevent the goal from being scored all right guys that's going to do it for part one of our interview with sarah um we she'll be back tomorrow to talk more rocky and then we will also get into the uh future kings we'll kind of talk about um the draft day experience with sarah and then we talk about prospects that are coming up and what the kings will do with drew dowdy which is hopefully send them out into the ocean um so yeah if you want to reach sarah you can find her on twitter at right sarah said sarah so right said sarah with an h at the end you can find us on twitter at locked on sharks you can also email us at locked on sharks at gmail.com we'll get right to it i promise and then you can find eric on twitter at foulball 15 kyle who's not here today you can find him on twitter at kyle demetrius the way that you spell words that are spelled that way and you can find myself on twitter at my fry hole uh, if you haven't yet, leave us a review, especially if you're on Apple. Give us those five stars. It makes us feel good, and it makes our moms proud of us. And we will catch you guys tomorrow. Later.